Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 9 and 10 of Eclipse, Target and Scent. Two chapters where not a lot happens, so I'm smushing them together, which I think is becoming a bit of a trend with this book so far. We're taking a while to get into it. Where we left off, Bella escaped her little kidnapping from Alice and she went and hung out with Jacob and then she came back and she thought Edward would be really angry with her, but like plot twist, he's been really nice which a part of me still doesn't trust. But reading these two chapters, I'm starting to think, maybe he's not that bad. I don't know, maybe he's such a good gaslighter that it's now really gaslighting me and I'm, I'm like trapped in this abusive relationship thinking that he'll change. I don't know. But I'm reading this and I don't think Jacob's the problem. I don't think Edward's the problem. I think Bella's the problem. And it's her insistence on wanting to die that just drives me insane. And so she starts chapter nine, Target saying, Alice dropped me off in the morning in keeping with the slumber party charade. And then Edward would have to arrive home from his, in quote marks, hiking trip. And she says, all of these pretenses are starting to wear on me. I wouldn't miss this part of being human. Does she not realize that she'll have more pretenses when she's a vampire pretending to be an 18 year old college student or high school student and moving from city to city and not coming out on sunny days. Does she not realize that becoming a vampire, there'll be a lot more of this in your future. She thinks it's a human thing. It's not a human thing, Bella, stop aging. And then we'll see how many pretenses you have to keep up. So she goes inside, there's Charlie. And Charlie tells her that Jacob had called and there's a message on the counter. And she reads the message and it's Jacob called. He said he didn't mean it and that he's sorry. He wants you to call him. Be nice and give him a break. He sounded upset. And she's like, oh, geez. Way to editorialize on my phone messages, dad. But she's still pissed off at Jacob because he said that he'd rather that she were dead than be a vampire. So Bella's like, I'm not going to call him just yet. He can stew on it. And so she starts going upstairs and Charlie's like, well, uh, aren't you going to call Jacob? And she says, no. And he says, that's not very attractive behavior, Bella. Forgiveness is divine. What the fuck, Charlie? Charlie, Charlie, who do you think you are? Forgiveness is divine, says the guy holding a grudge against Edward for fucking months. It's hypocritical. It's Charlie's pissing me off too. It's Bella and Charlie, the two swans and fucking Renee in Florida. The, The swan family are the worst characters in this book. 
So Bella grumbles under her breath. She's like, mind your own business. And she says, well, the laundry's building up, so I better get started on washing all my dirty clothes and sheets. And she tells us that she went to strip Charlie's bed. So she washes his dirty sheets, her dad's dirty sheets. She's just waltzing into his bedroom and touching his sheets. Yuck. Charlie's a grown ass man. I don't want to know what he's doing in that bed. I think that's so inappropriate. Charlie, wash your own sheets. That's disgusting to me. Charlie's downstairs watching TV, living the life of Riley. He never cooks dinner. He never helps wash the dishes or the clothes or the sheets, apparently. He's, he's useless. Get rid of him. And then she goes to strip her own bed and she's like, huh, my pillow's missing. That's weird. And then she's like, wait a second. Where's my gray sweatshirt that, that had been draped over the footboard? And I would swear there had been a pair of dirty socks behind the rocking chair, along with the blouse I tried on the other day. Okay, like, if you can already remember that there's dirty socks on the floor, maybe like put them in the hamper. Maybe don't leave your socks lying around. As much as Bella's always cleaning up, she sounds like she's a bit of a pig. So all this shit of hers is missing and she's confused and she's like, maybe Charlie did the laundry, but that, that sounds ridiculous. And she says, dad, did you do the wash? And he went, no. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course he didn't because he's useless. And then she's thinking that, oh, well, Alice did come here and collected my stuff for me. So maybe she grabbed my pillow too. And maybe she cleaned up while she was collecting my PJs on my pillow. And it's like, Bella, did, did you see your pillow at Edward's house? No, no, you didn't. Did Alice ever mention, hey, I brought your pillow over? N- no, she didn't. She explicitly said pajamas. She never mentioned pillow and, oh, by the way, I cleaned up your dirty socks that you left lying around for days. And she's looking everywhere and she can't find these missing pieces of clothing or her pillow. And she just gets on with her life and starts doing the laundry. And then the doorbell rings and Charlie says, door. He doesn't get up. He just says, door. Not even, can you get the door please, Bella? Just door. I am sick of this Charlie Swan. All this time I was thinking, yeah, he's a lovable dilf. So he doesn't help out in the kitchen a lot. That's a shame. But the more it happens, I just think it's so unjust. And you can only skate by on being a lovable dilf for so long. You know what I mean? My dog is running around he, he lies down like a sack of shit all day. And then as soon as I go to sit down to pod, he's like, it's playtime. And now he's like bringing toys to me. And I'm like, dude, can you fuck off? C- can you hear him? Like, so she opens the door and it's Edward. And immediately his nostrils are flaring and he's like, Arr. and she says, oh no, what's wrong? And he says, give me two seconds. And then he does like a, a flash run around the house and comes back and he's figured out that there was a vampire in the house. My dog is running so much. Oh, now he's growling. So Edward's freaking out. He's pulling Bella into the kitchen. His eyes are darting around the room. And he says, someone's been here. And she's like, no, it's not been the wolves, I promise. And he says, no, not one of them, one of us. And she's like, oh my God, Victoria. And he says, no, it's not a scent I recognize. And she says, one of the Volturi. And he says, yeah, probably. It was probably them because they were here not that long ago, maybe early morning while Charlie was asleep and whoever it was didn't touch him. So there must've been another purpose. And this is the time where Bella should bring up the missing pillow and the missing items of clothing, but she doesn't, she doesn't even figure out that that, 
that the vampire might have stolen something with her scent on it for another chapter. Oh, she's so dumb. So then Charlie comes in with an empty popcorn bowl in his hands. Oh, the life of Riley of this guy. Bloody Charlie Swan living the life. And he's like, ooh, what are you two fighting about? And he's like super happy that they're fighting. Ugh, Charlie, the true villain of this chapter. And Bella's feeling panicked because she's realized, because Edward just told her, that a vampire had been in the house looking for her while Charlie slept. And she's like, oh no, not Charlie. So Edward's like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, what about Charlie? And so Edward calls Emmett to go and do a stakeout. So Edward starts dragging her out of the house and she says, what are we doing? And he says, we're going to talk to Alice. And she asks, you think maybe she saw something? And he says, maybe. What, you think she saw something and then didn't tell you? Why would she do that? The vampire came in early that morning and by the sheer fact that she sees the future, she would have had her vision before then. So she would have had a vision, what, last night or like at 2 a.m. And she's just not said anything for the next 10 hours. It just never came up. Or you never read her mind, Edward, considering you do have that ability. Now my dog's eating. I, it's kind of cute though. He grabs the food from his bowl, like across the other end of the apartment. And then he brings it over in his mouth and then eats it where he's close to me. How can I be mad at that? But if you hear him crunching, I apologize. So they get to the Cullen's house. All the vampires are there, except for Emmett and Jasper, who are staking at Charlie's house. And Edward's like, what happened? And he's super mad at Alice. And she's like, I have no idea. I didn't say anything. And he says, how is that possible? How is it possible you haven't seen anything, even though you've not seen lots of things? How Edward has any faith in Alice after she fucked up the baseball game. (laughs) She took Bella all the way to Phoenix and still didn't see Bella going into the ballet studio. (laughs) She's just so, oh God, she's so bad at her job. And he's like, how is this possible? Because she's incompetent. And Carlisle chimes in and he says, it's not an exact science, Edward. Not an exact science. It's not a science. It's psychics. Uh, It's the opposite of science. And Edward says, he was in her room. He could have still been there, Alice, waiting for her. And she says, well, I would have seen that. And he's like, really? Really? You would have? Really? He is super aggro at Alice. And also, yeah, fair enough. She dropped the ball. So stop putting faith in her. And Alice says, well, you've already got me watching the Volturis. You've got me watching Victoria's return, watching Bella's every step. You want to add another? Should I be watching Charlie or Bella's room or the house or the whole street too, Edward? I can't do that much because things are going to start slipping through the cracks. And Edward says, looks like they already are. I don't think this is how her skills work. She's barely got time to monitor the stock market for trends. And Edward says, well, if you're watching Italy, why didn't you see them send someone? And she says, I don't think it's them because I would have seen that. Would you? Would you have Alice? And then they're all pretty stumped because they're like, well, who else would leave Charlie alive? And then Bella's like, leave Alice alone, dude. And so Edward's like, oh, yep, sorry, Alice. I was being a bit hard on you. Sorry about that. So conflict over. (laughs) Oh, we had a bit of conflict for like four paragraphs and then it ended. And now they're all back on the same page. And Edward says, all right, well, let's look at this logically. Who would it have been? What are the possibilities? They know it's not Victoria because he knows her scent. Arrow hasn't sent anyone from the Volturi, but maybe one of the other Volturi went rogue and sent someone who Edward had never met. Maybe. It's so funny. They dismiss Victoria straight away. 
And then they think about the Velturi maybe sending someone else, but they never apply that same logic to Victoria. Not once did they ever consider that maybe Victoria sent someone new. And they know that there's a pack of wild newborn vampires in Seattle, and they've not once made the connection. They don't even seem to care very much about the Seattle vampires. And Seattle and Fawkes, very close, may I remind you. But they seem to think that it's one of the Volturi checking to see if Bella's still human. Even though that would never happen, the Volturi would just come up and visit them at the Cullens' house. They wouldn't sneak around stealing pillows. Although, again, Bella hasn't brought that up. Bella doesn't think that's got anything to do with someone wandering around her room. She thinks they're isolated incidents because she's an idiot and the true villain of the chapter. (laughs) I'm just going to say that about a lot of people. No, she's the true villain of the book. And then Emmett and Jasper are back, so I guess they're not protecting Charlie. But Emmett says, they're long gone hours ago. The trail went east and south and disappeared on a side road, had a car waiting. And Edward says, damn it, if they'd gone west, those dogs would have made themselves useful. And Edward, maybe if you hadn't made it so uncomfortable for Jacob to be around Bella, he might have picked up on a random vampire snooping around, maybe. Maybe if we didn't have this ridiculous invisible boundary, Jacob could have been more helpful. Who knows? A pack of vampire killers. What good would they ever be? And Jasper and Emmett, they found a fern leaf that had the vampire smell on it. So they pass it around, giving everyone a whiff (laughs) to see if anyone recognizes the smell, but none of them do. (laughs) Just passing around a fern frond. ridiculous. And then Esme, she says, maybe it's a coincidence. And everyone's like, I think the fuck not Esme. But I think she is actually closest to the mark because she says, maybe it's a random vampire that got a whiff of us on her and they were curious and they didn't want to confront us because we're an intimidating family of vampires. And then Bella, she says, I was slowly realizing that vampires were much bigger participants in this world than I'd once thought. What? You went to Vampire HQ. You went to Italy and there was a whole secret city of vampires. You met dozens of them at one time and you're practically living with a family of them. You went to high school with vampires. And then she thinks, how many times did the average human cross paths with vampires completely unaware? Probably a lot, judging by your experience. How is she only slowly realizing this now? It's as if the other two books never happened. And Bella says, does it really matter who it was? Just the chance that someone was looking for me. Isn't that reason enough? We shouldn't wait for graduation. So she's like, well, turn me now, guys. No time like the present. And Edward shoots that down. And then Alice says, it's all going to be fine, Bella. Is it, Alice? Is it because you're slipping, babe? I don't think you should be saying anything with any confidence. So then they're riding home and she's pissed off because she's still human. Oh, she's so pissed off. And Edward's saying, don't worry, you won't be alone for a second. Someone will always be outside watching. And she's like, that's ridiculous. They'll get so bored. They'll have to kill me themselves just for something to do. Why is she not accepting help when it's offered? She doesn't want Charlie to die. And yet she's not happy with Edward or Emmett or Jasper or Alice camping out the front and keeping an eye on things. They're immortal vampires. I think they'll make do sparing a couple of hours of their time. So she gets home. Charlie's still in a good mood because he thinks her and Edward are fighting. Hopefully she's projecting because that's pretty fucked up, Charlie. 
He never says as much, but she's saying that he's got a smug smile on his face while he watches her throw together his dinner. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. (laughs) Even if she is projecting on him a little bit, he's still an asshole. And so then Charlie says in front of Edward, oh, Jacob called again. I think trying to stir up Edward. Well, that's what Bella thinks. Again, could be projection. And Charlie's like, he sounds pretty low, Bells. And Bella says, is Jacob paying you for all the PR or are you a volunteer? That's actually quite funny. I I kind of enjoyed that one, Bells. Good job. And then she's musing that her life was feeling a lot like a game of dice right now. Would the next roll come up snake eyes? I I don't understand that. I've never played dice. Is that a game just playing dice? But she pretty much resolves that, yeah, she's gonna forgive Jacob, but she's gonna wait until tomorrow morning to call him. And then when Edward left for the evening, she wondered who was out in the pouring rain, keeping an eye on them. And she says, I felt awful for Alice or whoever else it might be. I don't know if they care if they're in the rain. They're supernatural creatures that don't feel the cold. They don't breathe. I don't think they're going to catch the flu. I think it's okay if they get a bit wet. And hey, maybe they could stand under an umbrella. You don't know. Oh, but she feels awful for them for protecting her life. Like, get over it. So then in the morning, Charlie goes off fishing and she says, Edward, I'm going to let Jacob off the hook. And he says, yeah, that sounds good. And he says it with an easy smile. And he says, holding grudges is not one of your many talents. And she's like, whoa, Edward's being nice. My boyfriend's being nice to me. What is this feeling so sudden and new? So she calls Jacob and he's like, Bella, where the hell have you been, Loka? And he says, sorry, I didn't mean it. I was angry. That's no excuse. I'm so stupid. Please forgive me. Lifetime of servitude, blah, blah, blah. And she says, I'm not mad. You're forgiven. And he's like, oh, great. And he's like, well, let's go cliff diving. Let's hang out. Come down to see me. You know, let's chill. We're buddies. And she's like, well, Jake, there's a bit of a problem. But then she's not really sure what to tell him. And Edward holds out his hand for the phone and he's like, give it over, give it over, let daddy speak. And so she says to Jacob, Edward wants to speak to you. Is that all right? And he's like, all right, bring it on. This should be interesting. So she hands over the phone and Edward tells Jacob how someone was here and it wasn't a scent that he recognized. Has the pack seen anything, smelt anything, blah, blah, blah. And she can only hear Edward's side of the conversation and she hears like a buzzing noise from the receiver whenever Jacob talks. So like a, and she can't make out what he's saying. And Edward's saying, well, that's an interesting suggestion. We're quite willing to renegotiate. And he's just being quite lovely. I I still don't trust it, but I'm liking this Edward more and more. Non-controlling reasonable Edward is, it's, it's quite refreshing. And then Edward saying, that's not a half bad idea. Yeah, that's fine. I'd like a chance to follow the trail personally. 10 minutes, certainly. And then he hands the phone back to Bella. And Bella's like, what was that all about? (laughs) She says to Jacob. (laughs) Oh, she's so confused. She's so left out of the conversation. This is why you need three-way calls or loudspeaker or something, because she felt like the odd one out in the threesome just then. And she says, I knew it was juvenile, but I felt excluded. You'd think she'd be happy that her two boys are getting along, but nah, she felt excluded. Again, like the third person at a threesome. There's always someone that just doesn't quite fit in. And so Jacob says, I think that was a truce. And then he says, 
Do me a favor, try and convince your boyfriend that the safest place for you to be when he's not around is on the reservation. We'll be able to handle everything. And he says, and also let's try and get Charlie here as much as possible too. And she's like, yeah, good idea. And then she says, well, what else did you guys talk about? And he says, just rearranging some boundaries so we can catch anyone who gets too near to Forks. <sighs> that, that, that really pisses me off. We've had chapters and chapters of exposition about this bloody treaty. Oh, you can't do that because of the treaty. Oh, there's a treaty. Oh, no, that goes against the treaty. Oh, my God, don't break the treaty. Oh, there's no actual geographic limit to the treaty. Treaty, 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 treaty. And now they're like, oh, we're just rearranging some boundaries. Just Edward and Jacob shooting the shit on the phone, just changing the boundary line. Excuse me? Excuse me? And she says, what do you mean? And he says, let's just say, if you see a wolf running around your house, please don't shoot at it. So yeah, we're we're moving the boundary line. Treaty schmeedy. And then she keeps saying, what else did you guys talk about? What else did you guys talk about? Hang up the phone and ask Edward. Poor Jacob having to relive the conversation that he just had to fill a bitch in. Like, oh God, can we not communicate here? And then Jacob says, see you in a few. And she's like, what? You're coming up? And he says, yep. I'm going to get the scent of your visitor so we can track him if he comes back. And she says, oh, Jake, I really don't like the idea of you tracking. Oh, because she's so nervous. The person designed genetically to kill vampires. She's so worried about him hunting vampires. And Jacob laughs and hangs up on her. And that's the end of that chapter. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And then we go to chapter 10, Scent, another boring one-word title. 
And we start with her thinking that it's childish that Edward's about to leave because Jacob's coming over. And she's like, can't you two boys be in the same room? And he's like, no, actually not really. So Edward leaves. (laughs) But before he leaves, he breathes all over her and then laughs about it. And she's like, what's so funny? And he's just, haha, and doesn't say anything. And he goes off on his own merry way. And she can't figure out why he did that. (sighs) Clearly it's to get his stinky vampire scent all over your body to make Jacob feel disgusted by you. How many times do they tell her that she stinks? Both of them say, oh, you stink when she's hanging out with the other one. And yet she still can't figure that out. He's just got his breath all over her and she can't figure out why he would have done that. She's so dumb. So she starts doing the dishes. She's always doing dishes. And then Jacob arrives and he's only wearing his little jean cutoffs, his little jorts. And she's like, oh, Jacob, is it that impossible to wear clothes? She says, I mean, I know you don't get cold anymore, but still. And he's like, bitch, are you serious? Like, I obviously can't wear clothes when I've turned into a wolf. Jacob says, it's enough of a pain to carry the shorts, well, jorts around with me, let alone a complete outfit. What do I look like, a pack mule? And she's like, what are you, what are you talking about, Jacob? She frowns because she, she can never pick up on anything. She never understands what anyone's talking about. She says, his expression was superior, like I was missing something obvious. Well, that's because you are. And he says, my clothes just don't pop in and out of existence when I change. I have to carry them with me while I run. And she blushes and she's like, oh, I didn't think about that. She didn't think about, she's seen wolves transform. And then Jacob's laughing and pointing to a black leather cord that's around his calf, like an anklet. Well, no, if it's, If it's around his calf, then it's a calflet, not an anklet, Bella, but whatever. And he says, this is more than just a fashion statement. It sucks to carry jeans in your mouth. So apparently when he transforms, the jeans shrink. No, he must, he must take the pants off. Let's, let's visualize this for a second. He must take the pants off and then tie them around the string and then turn into the wolf. Yeah, that makes sense because I was sort of thinking that he would turn and then take the pants off and then attach it to the string with his paws, which is obviously impossible. So yeah, he must be getting naked before he turns. So if you were hanging around La Push, you'd be seeing a lot of doodle. You, you really would because all of those boys are always getting naked. It'd be doodle city. I wonder how Emily feels just having all those doodles flapping about her place. And I love how Jacob's like, oh God, like, oh, obviously I can only carry one item of clothing. Obviously. I don't know. Would it be that hard to just tie up a shirt next to his jorts? Like, I don't think a shirt is adding that much more weight. It wouldn't be that much of a hindrance. And that makes me think about underwear. Do you think he's wearing undies right now? I don't know if he is. I think he's just freeballing in those jorts. And then he says, does my being half naked bother you? And she says, no, (laughs) he's trying to go into flirting territory and she's shooting him down quick smart. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, I I better get to sniffing. So he goes up to her bedroom to sniff around. He's probably going through all of her drawers as well, right? Like he's obsessed with her. So maybe, maybe he would be going through a rundy drawer. I don't know. I'm just thinking a lot about undies right now. Anyway, she's still doing the dishes. Then he sneaks up on her. Because obviously it didn't take that long, but she's still surprised. <laughs> He's, he comes up behind her and she says, Yeesh, Jake, cut that out. Because she gets scared. I knew you were upstairs this whole time and that you would eventually return, but ah, oh, stop scaring me. And so then Jacob says, okay, well, you wash, I'll rinse and dry. And he starts helping her do the dishes, which is more than Charlie's ever done. 
Charlie hasn't lifted a finger for the past year. And here we've got Jacob drying the dishes. Now that's a man. Jacob, you're coming up in my books. I'm team Jacob again. I love a man that can rinse and dry. And of course he makes uh, the hilarious joke about her room smelling of vampires. (sighs) So they're doing the dishes and he says, what's it like having a vampire boyfriend? It never creeps you out? And she says, no, never. And then he's like, well, do you like kiss him and stuff? And she says, duh. And he goes, ugh. (laughs) And he shudders. And he says, you don't worry about the fangs? And she says, shut up, Jacob. And she's splashing him with dishwater. She's like, you know, he doesn't have fangs. And he's like, yeah, well, he kind of does. He's got really sharp teeth that can rip a person's neck open. I mean, they're they're practically fangs, but also Jacob, you have fangs too. So I I don't know why you think fangs are such a turnoff when you're a wolf. Wolves have fangs. Granted, she wouldn't be kissing you when you're in wolf form, I, I hope. But still, it seems weird that you'd be so fang phobic when you have fangs. And then he says, well, can I ask you, um, you said in a few weeks, dot, 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 when exactly, dot, 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 and he can't finish asking, but he's saying, when are you going to get killed? And she says, graduation. And then she's like, oh no, is this going to set him off again? Probably, babe, probably. And then he says, so soon, and the muscles in his arms tighten and his shoulders get all stiff. And then he says, ow. And she tells us his right hand had curled into a tense fist around the blade of the knife because he was drying a knife at the time. And then he just started gripping onto the knife to the blade. Jacob, like I know you're upset, but have some self-awareness. Be careful when you're drying a knife. Put it down and then ask the heavy questions. Anyway, the knife clatters to the counter. There's this long, deep gash on his hand. And he's like, ah, damn it. Ah, that hurts. And Bella, (sighs) she takes, oh, fucking Bella. She takes a deep breath through her mouth because, you know, she smells blood. She's the only human in the whole world that smells blood. And she's like, oh no, Jacob, oh crap, oh shit. And then she's starting to get all woozy because she doesn't like the sight of blood as well. She's hell bent on becoming a vampire. She asked to become a vampire last night and she's afraid of blood. Has she thought this through? So Jacob's like, ah, don't worry about it. He's like over it already because he has super healing powers, but Bella's forgotten about that too. And she's like, oh my God, you slashed your hand open and everything's starting to shimmer around the edges of her vision. And he's just washing his hand under the tap like la-da-dee, la-da-da. And she notes that he's about to pass out. And she's like, oh my God, we need to go to the ER. And then she's like, oh, feeling all woozy because she's so afraid of blood. She can't go anywhere near blood, but she wants it to be her main meal source for the next eternity. And I'm wrapping this up quite quickly, but it's going on for pages and pages of her trying to convince him to go to the hospital. She needs to call an ambulance and him saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. And her talking about how the smell of it, she says, oh, the rust and salt smell of it. Oh, it almost pulls me under. And finally he shows her his hand and it's fine. There's just like a light pink scar on it. And she's like, what? And he says, I I told you this. You saw Paul's scar. Like we've, we've been through this Bella. And she's like, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I guess, I guess I did know about this, but it's a bit harder seeing it firsthand. So apparently she's bounced back from the smell of the blood and she pulls out the bleach and she's like, well, I better get scrubbing. 
And she says the burning scent of the bleach cleared the last of the dizziness from her head. Oh, finally got the smell of blood out of her head. How she smells blood, I, 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 I still don't know. So she's being very methodical about it. She's getting Jacob to wash the towel. She's scrubbing the floor with bleach and scrubbing like the counter and the sink. And Jacob says, do you have obsessive compulsive disorder? And she says, we're a bit sensitive to blood around here. And then he says, what's it like having a werewolf for a best friend? And she says, oh, the question caught me off guard. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) They're just chatting about being werewolves and vampires. I think it was going to come up. And he says, does it creep you out? And she says, no. When the werewolf is being nice, it's the best. And then he grins, his teeth bright against his russet skin. Yep, take a drink. She's mentioned the color of Jacob's skin again. And then they hug and then he gets a whiff of Edward's breath all over her hair. And he's like, ugh, your hair stinks. And she's like, oh, that's why Edward breathed all over me. The penny drops. And he says, ugh, one of the many hazards of socializing with vampires, it makes you smell bad. And she says, I only smell bad to you, Jake. That you know of, Bells. You might have a BO problem, we don't know. And then Jacob's like, all right, well, see you later. I can tell Edward's waiting to come back in. And he says, why don't you come over to La Push tonight? We're having a bonfire. Emily will be there. You can meet Kim. Oh, who's Kim? Who's Kim? Is she... Is she the two-year-old that Quill imprinted on or is she the, the ex-girlfriend slash cousin that's now the bridesmaid? I don't know, but Kim will be there. And she's like, yeah, Jake, I don't know. Oh, things are a bit tense right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to see my friends yet. And then he says, come on, you think somebody's going to get past all, all six of us? And she's like, oh, he's, he's stuttering at the end of his question. She says, I wondered if he had trouble saying the word werewolf aloud the way I often had difficulty with the word vampire. Uh, no, he literally just said the word werewolf out loud last page. He said, what's it like having a werewolf for a friend? And he didn't stutter. So, oh, I wonder if he has trouble saying the word. Of course not. He said it a million times. And so then Bella says, well, I'll ask about going to the party. And he says, oh, is he your warden now too? You know, I saw this story on the news last week about controlling abusive teenage relationships. And, and then she cuts him off. She says, time for the werewolf to get out. And he's like, haha, bye Bells. Be sure you ask permission. And then he's out the door. And I think he was onto something there with the whole controlling abusive teenage relationship storyline that he was bringing up because I think he hit the nail on the head. But the fact that he said that lets me know that Stephanie knows about controlling abusive teenage relationships. So she's writing Edward knowing all of that. All this time, I was sort of suspecting that Stephanie just was clueless. She was just oblivious to the fact that abuse in relationships is a thing. And she was just writing Edward as the ideal, not realizing the implications, but she knows. This indicates to me that she's aware of the implications. She's aware what Edward's doing is controlling and abusive or could be perceived that way by some, AKA everybody with a brain, but she just doesn't care. She fobs it off just like Bella fobs it off. So then Edward comes in and he says, Oh, were you two in a fight? And she's like, what? No, why? And he says, uh, because you stabbed him with a knife. And then he points and the knife's still on the counter. And she goes, dang, I thought I got everything. She missed the knife. The, the bloody knife is still on the counter. She cleaned the floor. She cleaned the dish towel. She cleaned the sink. 
She cleaned the sink, which is presumably next to the counter where the knife landed. And she, she didn't see the knife. She didn't smell the knife. She smells blood. How could she not smell it? Does she just have vision problems? Cause like, that's not even in your peripheral vision. That's like right in front of you. Also, how do you forget the knife? The knife that created this incident. How does that slip your mind? She, uh, she's, uh, I've, I've got serious concerns about Miss Bella Swan. I do not think she's all there. And then she's like, oh, I didn't stab Jacob. And it's like, uh, Nadoi, of course you didn't stab him. And of course, Jacob was reading Edward's mind the whole time he was waiting outside, clearly. And then Edward brought in the mail and it's a Dartmouth envelope, which brings up the college subplot again. He's like, hey, you could have fun at college. It looks like you got into Dartmouth, even though he probably bribed someone because there's no way dumb, dumb Bella Swan was getting into Dartmouth. She can't even clean a knife. She forgets that a knife exists after someone gets cut by it. She, she can't even see it on the counter. I just, oh, I just cannot believe it. And she's saying, nah, let's not delay things. And he's saying, Charlie and Renee would love it if you got into college, blah, blah, blah. This again, regurgitate, regurgitate. It's been like 200 pages and we're, we're still talking about the same fights, the same issue. And she's like, it's not going to happen, Edward. I'm going to Alaska. I need Charlie to not expect a visit until at least Christmas. And then hopefully I'll come up with another excuse. And Edward says, it gets easier. After a few decades, everyone you know is dead. So problem solved. Whoa. Okay. Where's your bedroom manner? That was blunt as fuck. And she flinches and he's like, oh, was that harsh? Sorry, that was harsh. And then she's pottering around with the washing machine again. And she says, oh, that reminds me. Could you ask Alice what she did with my stuff when she cleaned my room? I can't find it anywhere. She, she finally brought it up. She, this bitch thinks she could get into Dartmouth and she was still standing there thinking that Alice cleaned her room. As if you would get into Dartmouth, babe, like that floors me. And Edward says, Alice cleaned your room. And she's like, yeah, I guess when she came to get my pajamas and pillow and stuff. Although she never did give me that pillow. I wonder where she put all my socks and stuff as well. My dirty socks. Where would she have put them if not in the hamper or the washing machine? And Edward's like, um, that clearly never happened. He says, all those things that you'd worn and touched and slept on, they were taken. And she still hasn't figured it out. She says, yes. What is it, Edward? And he says, things with your scent, dummy. And she says, oh. And then she's like, oh, my visitor. And he says, yeah, was getting traces of you to prove that they'd found you maybe. And she's like, oh, why? 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 You're the most wanted human on the Pacific Northwest. Why would anyone want to know where you are? And Edward's like, that's what we need to find out. And so he gets a phone call from Carlisle and he's like, great timing. And so he explains what, what they just discovered through Bella speaking out. How she didn't bring this up immediately, I'll never know. Bella says, he explained about my missing things, but from the side I was hearing, it sounded like Carlisle had no insights for us. What, what insights did you expect him to have? He wasn't going to be like, oh, it was, it was me that stole your pillow, Bella. Like, what? But Carlisle must have said something about today's news. So Edward goes out into the bin to get the newspaper and he brings it back. They read the newspaper. 
And Edward's reading it and he says, ah, yes, Carlisle's right. Very sloppy. Young and crazed or a death wish? And she looks over his shoulder and it's the Seattle Times. And it says, murder epidemic continues. Police have no new leads. Murder epidemic. (sighs) I don't know if that's a thing. Murder epidemic. That's some uh, flashy journalism from the Seattle Times. And she says it's the same story as what Charlie was complaining about a few weeks ago. Big city violence, deaths, but the numbers are now higher. And she says, it's getting worse. Like, yeah, that, that's what higher death numbers usually means. And I don't know if the Cullens care enough about this yet. They really should. And Edward's like, yeah, it's getting a bit out of control. Uh, this can't just be one newborn vampire. What's going on? It's as if they've never heard of the Volturi, which is possible. I guess no one ever explained the rules to them. So who's creating them then? And he says, this is exactly the kind of thing the Volturi routinely wipe out. Immortals who threaten to expose us. So why aren't they there yet? We're meant to fear the Volturi as the, like, the most reactive vampire body that will come down and crush people. They're going to punish the Cullens for telling one human about vampires. And yet they're fine with this group of newborn vampires in Seattle killing everybody. Like not a blink. Not an ounce of attention from the Volturi. So what? why are we that worried about the Volturi again? And you think they would have been more reactive, the Cullens, since they have this fear that the Volturi would come and shut them down. And like, clearly the Volturi are going to Seattle to shut down a group of newborn vampires. They're probably going to swing by. They said they'd swing by. So why would you not immediately go to Seattle and try and sort out that shit? Nip that in the bud. And Edward's saying, oh, there's not much we can do, really. Not until at least Alice has an idea of what's going on. We don't usually step in until it's absolutely necessary. After all, it's not our responsibility. Uh, isn't it? Like, isn't it in your best interest? And Edward says, it's good we have Jasper. If we are dealing with newborns, he'll be helpful. And she says, Jasper? Why? She's, uh, she's the dumbest person in existence. He has mood altering powers. I think there's something else to it, but that's something. Oh, why would someone with mood emotion controlling skills, why would they ever be useful in quelling a dispute? Jasper of all people, why? And then Edward just changes the conversation. He's like, well, newborn vampires, someone broke into your home last night. Potato, potato. (laughs) Again, no one drew a link. No one drew a link between What's happening in Seattle and what just happened in Bella's bedroom and Victoria being out there somewhere. Like the dots aren't that far away from each other. I don't know how you're not connecting them, but okay, let's just, let's just, let's just go on the journey with them then, shall we? I think we all have figured it out, but let's just go on the journey with them. And yeah, he changes the subject and he says, oh, you have something you want to ask me, right? Like, do you want to get my permission to go somewhere to some sort of werewolf soiree tonight? And she's like, Edward. Were you eavesdropping? (sighs) He reads minds. He's going to eavesdrop from time to time. Like he also has super hearing. Yeah, he hears shit. She's like, don't worry, I'm not going anyway. And he says, well, would you like to go? Holding her face in his hands. And he says, you don't have to ask my permission, Bella. I'm not your father. Perhaps you should ask Charlie though. Who is this Edward Cullen? I'm really getting suspicious. He's acting all nice and reasonable. I I don't trust it. And he says, Bella, I told you that I was going to be reasonable and trust your judgment. I meant that. 
If you trust the werewolves, then I'm not going to worry about them. Oh, Zai, he's up to something. He is up to something. And he says, besides, Jacob's right, a pack of werewolves should be enough to protect you for one evening. And she's like, okay, well, I guess if if you're on board with it, yeah, I'd like to go. And he says, well, we need to take a few precautions. Allow me to drive you to the boundary line. (laughs) The boundary line. So it still exists. I thought they just removed the boundary line, but no, it still exists. Okay. Oh, for fuck's sake. And the other precaution is that she needs to take a cell phone. And she says, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, have a cell phone. Cell phones exist. Edward, you should have bought one for her ages ago. You bought Alice a Porsche. How many cell phones could you have bought with the cost of that Porsche? At her birthday last year, why were they giving her a stereo for a truck and flights to Florida? Someone buy this girl a cell phone. It took them three books to figure out that she needs a cell phone. Flight risk Bella. Yeah, get her a cell phone. Great idea. Okay, so she's going to La Push and Edward's going to take her to the boundary line and then Jacob's going to pick her up at the boundary line and take her the rest of the way because they can't cross the boundary line even though Jacob just did. (laughs) Kills me, kills me, kills me. And so she decides that she's going to get her motorbike and bring it back to La Push. But the smartest way for her to think to do that is to put it in Edward's car and then in Jacob's car (laughs) and transport the motorbike back that way. Instead of her just driving it, she needs a chaperone both ways. She could have just driven the motorbike, but whatever. And she gets to the Cullens' garage because that's where she last left the motorbike. And there's a new motorbike there and it's big and sleek and silver and it looked fast. And she's like, what's that? And Edward says, well, I figured you kind of were into the motorbike thing. So I thought... Maybe we could go riding together. So I bought a bike and she stares at the beautiful machine and she says, beside it, my bike looked like a broken tricycle. I felt a sudden wave of sadness when I realized that this was not a bad analogy for the way I probably looked next to Edward. Oh, she's a broken, beaten up tricycle and he's a fancy silver bike. I mean, that's quite comical. Super sad that she has that bad self view of herself. No self-confidence and that's sad, but it's also hilarious because I hate Bella Swan. And Bella starts, I don't want to say complaining, but she's being a bit of a Debbie Downer about it. She's like, oh, I wouldn't be able to keep up with you and you'd have to go slow to hang out with me. And Edward says, oh, okay, I see it now. This is something you do with Jacob. I get it. That's fine. Don't worry. Maybe I'll give the bike to Jasper. So again, Edward being reasonable and and calm. I don't know what's going on. I think this is an imposter. Does one of the Volturi vampires have shape-shifting power and they're pretending to be Edward? Because I I think he's been body swapped. And then Edward says, oh, but just one thing though, please wear this for me. And he hands her a helmet. And she says, oh no, I'll look stupid. And it wasn't really until this point in time when I realized that she wasn't wearing a helmet this whole time. What was she thinking? The self-confessed clumsiest girl in the world was not going to wear a helmet. And she hasn't been wearing a helmet for all her little rides. And that's outrageous. Like I get in New Moon, she secretly wanted to die. Like I get that. But ever since then, she just never whacked a helmet on. Doesn't make sense to me. And she begrudgingly accepts that she has to wear a helmet. She's like, oh, fine. And then he also wants her to wear a leather jacket. And she's like, oh no, I look like a dag. And he's like, no, you'll actually look sexy. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. But all of that is pointless because then they put it in Edward's car and drive to La Push. She's not even riding the motorbike. 
and we had to have a whole fight about her wearing a helmet and a jacket. Ah, so many unnecessary fights. So Edward's driving her to La Push, and she feels like it's a Passover between her divorced parents. (laughs) And then about halfway to La Push, at the invisible boundary line, I presume, there's Jacob leaning against the side of his Volkswagen. A Volkswagen... Volkswagens are small, right? We're expecting that now the bike is going to get out of Edward's car and into Jacob's car. How? How is it going to fit? She even says, Edward pulled the bike and my new gear out of the trunk of his car. I had been quite impressed that it had all fit, but it wasn't so hard to manage when you were strong enough to juggle full-sized vans, let alone small motorcycles. Just because he's strong enough to lift the bike doesn't mean he has a TARDIS of a boot. He can't just fit a bike in there because he's a vampire. That's got nothing to do with anything. How do you fit a bike in a boot? A few Christmases ago, I rode my bike to my friend Caitlin's house for Christmas drinks that night, like a little bit of a party. And I thought, yeah, I'll just ride my bike so I don't have to drive home drunk. Even though you're not allowed to ride bikes home drunk either, by the way. And I have been burned by that in the past as well. I've had a few crashes while riding home drunk, but in my head, it's not illegal. So I'm like, woohoo, let's do it. Let's ride a bike. But also the party was pretty fucking far away. So I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, end of the night, had a few cocktails, danced into some George Michael, you know, as you do on a Christmas night. And then I was like, oh God, now I've got to ride all the way home. But luckily some people at the party, they were like, we'll drop you home. We'll drop you home. Don't worry about it. We got the car. And I was like, great. But then we had to fit my bike in the boot. And I tell you what, it was the biggest struggle. We were trying to cram that thing into that boot for at least 10 minutes. And then finally we had to take one of the wheels off. And drunk me was like, oh God, I'll never be able to put that wheel back on. This is, oh, this is bad. This is bad. But yeah, it was impossible to squeeze that fucker into the boot. So I don't know how Edward did it, whether or not he's a supernatural being. And now Jacob's expected to do it with his Volkswagen Beetle. And it's a motorbike which she could have driven on its own. And yet we're doing a handover between their boots. It's the most implausible thing in all of these books. But they get the bike out of the car. Edward says goodbye to Bella and he compliments the jacket again. So then she starts walking towards the invisible vampire werewolf treaty line, she says, even though we just renegotiated that, but whatever. And then as soon as she crossed over into werewolf territory, Jacob runs over and gives her a hug. And she's like, oh, that must be because I'm on werewolf territory so he can hug me. Even though he was just at your house. (laughs) And he's like, oh, what's this? And she's like, oh, I thought we'd bring the bike back where it belongs. And he smiles, even though in my head, I'd be like, how's it going to fit? But because he hugged her in front of Jacob, she is annoyed. And she's like, cut it out, Jake. He's being pretty dang pleasant about all this. You don't need to push your luck. And he says, Bella, my babe. You can't push what you don't have. And that's the end of that chapter. So overall, a couple of boring chapters. They need to start putting these dots together about these newborn vampires in Seattle because, oh boy, if I have another chapter of them just gossiping and conjecturing about the Volturi and, oh, maybe it's just a random coincidence, Esme. Oh, Esme, dumb suggestion, even though I think... 30 minutes ago, I said it wasn't that bad of a suggestion, but I'm changing my mind because it's late. I'm going to say goodbye. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't rated the pod yet on Spotify, please go and do that now. Five stars or nothing at all because you can rate there now. Similarly, if you haven't left a review yet, please reach out. I'd love that. Again, five stars or nothing. If you've got a one-star opinion, just keep it to yourself. Things are heating up over on Patreon. 
Insurgent, I don't think it's that bad. I've been finding some difficulties with it, but it's it's hooked me in. Let's just say that. I mean, maybe it's not that bad of a book. I don't know. I assume it's going to get worse, but at the moment I'm enjoying it. So you can head to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books to hear those recaps, as well as the 50 Shades Darker and 365 Days recaps as well. And I'll see you guys next week for chapter 11, Legends. Oh, God, that sounds thrilling. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.